Thanks so much for joining us for Faith in Four Letter Words, where we take an unapologetically real look at surviving the boys' club, perfect poly, and motherhood, all while living in a glass fishbowl. I'm Amanda Goodman. And I'm Tara Thomas. Thanks for spending part of your week with us. Once again, we are excited to be back and sharing some of our wisdom and expertise to the masses. 20 people or less who have cared to tune in. No, I don't know. We've been fortunate that we have somewhat of a a loyal following. So we appreciate you taking time to tune in wherever that may be. For some, it may be the car. I know I plug my phone in sometimes and pull up the Spotify app in the car, much to the dismay of my children in the back who are so knee deep in full blast AirPods and YouTube videos, they don't hear me anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) you will listen to me before we start. Yeah, I told my son today, I said, I said, you've got to stop wearing those AirPods all the time. You're going to have ear damage. But then I, of course, had my, I had my Walkman blaring in my ears in the eighties. Well, I was thinking my, uh, like my left ear, the ear that I wore the IFB for like 20 years, I have hearing problems out of that ear. Isn't that crazy? Because from just having yeah. you know an IFB for people who aren't familiar, when you're um, a news lady, newsman, you have you put this little you know IFB, a little hearing aid looking thing in your ear, and that's how people talk to you. And re- you can hear reporters, you can hear your director and producer. And there have been many a times in my career where people were yelling at me in that like, "Go to break!" Mm-hmm. You know, the time that we showed yeah. the picture of the man's penis on air, and they're yelling like, "There's a penis on air! Go to break!" I'm like, well, that was it. We should we should share that story because I was you were in the, the oh, job that God. I had vacated. So you were the main female co-anchor. And when you were on the set, as Amanda describes, and you have these earpieces, and I wore mine in my right ear for years, it's almost like a clear mold. And they literally they actually send you a mm-hmm. soft wax kit and you push the wax into your ear, thereby creating this mold that they then produce a plastic insert with a, with a cord attached to it that you insert into your ear before every newscast. And then it clips to an audio stream where you can have the producer, the director, whomever is in the, the booth, the production booth, they can talk to you through that earpiece like Amanda described. So that's why sometimes you see those anchors, especially when they're doing live shots out in the field and they have that earpiece and they're so distracted because they're trying to talk and sound intelligent. And then someone is talking to them and you're trying to process what they're saying in your ear. So it's such a bizarre thing that everybody gets used to shockingly well, after all those years of doing it. It's like patting your head and rubbing your stomach. That's what it was because mm-hmm. someone's talking to you, to you consistently and continuously in your ear while you're still talking. It's like election night when there's no prompter or breaking news. And as it's coming in and people are giving you like, you know, um, we just learned there's actually five cars involved in the accident. You know what I mean? And so you're exactly. talking live and then you have to switch your – I have to share that story though about that the penis being showed because <laughs> so, uh, a reporter hilarious. was doing – a reporter, reporter, she was doing the story. And this reporter, I will just say it, she acted like a know-it-all. She was much smarter than me. She knew more, blah, blah, blah. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Agreed. So she, Agreed. Yeah. So she does this story on, um, you know, some Vietnam veterans, you know, so many heroes and the guys were giving her photos to use. Well, one of, in one of the pictures, the guy leaning down, he doesn't have any pants on and you can see his penis, right? And it's a group shot. So it's a it group shot. Obstructed. <laughs> and the guy who gave her the picture knew what, 
I mean, it's very obvious. You know, my young children oh, yes. could be like, why is that guy not, not have pants? I mean, it's very obvious. And so she, so <laughs> it airs. So I get a text message that like, cause I have my cell phone on the desk on the set and they say, I think you just aired a penis, but it, they didn't say it like that. Like, I think you just aired a penis. So then we have like the bat phone. Pic. Yeah. Remember we were dick pic. Remember we had like the bat phone and so you could call back to the booth and I'm like, did we just air a dick on TV? And so it was, we did long story short, we did. And so the news director at the time was very, very forgiving of this, this young reporter. And she was, yeah, I mean, this was, I think her second stop, but it was her arrogance and her cockiness. And so I finally looked at her and I'm like, you shot Dick, you edited Dick and you aired Dick like three times. You saw it. How did you not catch the fact? Right? Because at the end of the day, I let in, I read that story on air. So I was leading in the story. So then on social media and in the emails, I can't believe Amanda Goodman let uh, showed a penis on air today. Like, oh, of course. you know how it is. It comes back on us, but well, I don't know what that, that I made me think that, of. Yeah. That. <laughs> and you know, the reason I'm glad that that actually happened is because we as reporters, anchors, whatever the case, we're human. And so when you have something like a, an ego driven attitude or approach to your work, all it takes is somebody inadvertently showcasing their penis to knock you off your pedestal. <laughs> but she didn't get knocked <laughs> off her pedestal because you know what they did? The the manager at the time, the news director at the time was like, how dare he set you up like that? And that's when I lost oh, right. my mind. I'm like, right. no, 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 no. She took the picture. She took video of the picture. Then she edited it. I mean, like there was penis in her face <laughs> for all day and she didn't catch it. Like- that's the thing. Like that's why there was no well, different accountability. rules apply for different levels of puppetry. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You know, it kind of segues into what we're talking about today because um, there is this popular anchor out of Phoenix. She has been there for years and years and years. Uh, I think 22 years. Which to be at one station as a female, that's a major feat. As we've talked about, her mm-hmm. name is Carrie Lake. And I think as soon as the the news came down, you and I were texting each other at the exact same time. Um, she walked off the job. She, I think her last day on the set was on New Year's Eve. She hasn't returned since. Um, and she said, it was a serious struggle for me. I no longer want to do this job anymore because she said, journalism has completely changed. They want me to be a puppet. They want me to basically lie and like what you and I were saying, she basically said, I'm going to show my kids that integrity and character is more important than being famous or that big paycheck. And I mean, I, I just wanted to like run a plane with one of those banners and just go, good job, Carrie. Cause it's amazing. It's, I mean, I wish more, more women would come forward. On a shallow level, what I loved about her Sayonara video, Sayonara sister video is it was so well lit and she had a very professional delivery, almost as if she had a portable teleprompter in her home. I mean, the Arizona bigger market lighting in contrast to our small market, dimly lit or bright fluorescence is striking. I mean, she looked incredible for being what in her early fifties. And to your point, probably 10 years into the same levels of frustrations 
that sort of culminated in when we turned 40 into our exit. And so I think about her and think of us at 40 and 10 more years deep into that Mm -hmm. business where we had already said, okay, this is my breaking point, so to speak. And so I, the one thing that I don't like about any and all female journalists, though, sort of coming out with their, this is me, dose of reality speech, you and I both know the way that she will now be remembered and interpreted by many is, oh, she just got old and she's bitter. Yeah. And that's the part that's so sad with women. We don't have an ability to sort of speak our truth without the backlash of, okay, you're just jealous of the younger women taking your job or, 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 or. And it's just so different because you think of like Tom Brokaw, who's 90. No, he's not that old. But, you know, when he decides to leave, it's on his own terms and and the swan song and let's bring up, you know, his highlight reel. It's never someone saying, yeah, Tom, you're looking really old. It's time to go. I mean, I've never heard anybody say that Tom Brokaw looks too old. No, Yet, if that were Connie Chung, Barbara Walters, I mean, the list goes Sarah on. Sarah Thomas, Amanda Goodman. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> people would be shocked to yeah. say, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe they're still allowing her on the air. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I, this quote from her really hit me hard. And it says, I found myself reading news copy that I didn't believe was fully truthful or only told part of the story, and I began to feel that I was contributing to the fear and division in this country by continuing on in this profession. She's 100%, 100% accurate, and this is what Tara and I have been saying this entire podcast for two seasons now. The news controls the narrative. If you don't believe that people who are reading the news have puppet strings attached to them, may I suggest you remove the rock in which you are laying under? Mm -hmm. Oh, completely. And that's the part that I think you and I both are sort of proud to own and impart to anyone who ever cares to listen or tunes into our podcast. And that is this, you do come to a place in your life, I think we all do, no matter the profession, no matter the pursuit, where it is very difficult if your authentic self and the woman that you've become and the person that you're now sort of comfortable with all these years into adulthood, if there is a misalignment with your work, it is very hard to fake it. And yes, there are exceptions. There are people who say, look, I can't do any other job. This is the only way I can pay the bills. I have to keep you know, my kids fed and a roof over my head. And so you trudge away and you make it work despite knowing every single time that you head into the, you know, the job that you might not be comfortable doing it. But for us, we were so fortunate that we had a choice. We came to a crossroads where it was like, you know what? There are other ways that we can essentially make a living. And we chose to leave and exit at a time when it was sort of just probably the beginning of what would have been a depressing slide for us into not just more of the same in terms of the disconnect with our character and what we were doing, but think of the past even five years of how much the business has changed. I cannot imagine 
that I would have emotionally survived it just because of the sheer level of energy it would have taken for me to, you know, sort of restrain myself from saying all the time, Tara, like you're, you're a fake, you're a phony. This isn't you when you go out here every night. And as you described, drum up this division because some 22 year old was taught to write the most sensational headline because all we care about is keeping you from switching to your tablet or jumping on a streaming service and coming back after the commercial break. You, that's it right there. That is it right now there. In my opinion, it is no longer about news and facts and what's happening in the world. It is making sure you don't lose a viewer, you don't lose your audience, and they don't switch to the competition. And anybody in local news who tells you otherwise is still working in local news and they are drinking the Kool-Aid out of a giant gallon bottle. Like, okay, it's, it's <laughs> what like cancel culture culture is running the game right now. Cancel culture. And it's for instance, this woman Carrie, she did an interview with President Trump. Well, the the, the left, I can't believe you would sit down with him. You're so you're you're a Trumper now. You're a Republican now. She was doing her job. She was doing her job. And I feel for her there. I had a one-on-one with then candidate Donald Trump. Right? I didn't take a picture posing with him. I had a picture that one of my colleagues took of me interviewing him because let's be honest, it's pretty cool when you're interviewing people on the campaign trail. And then to know that that man was elected in the president. So there was a picture and it was part of my career and people tried to come for me. And especially when I said, actually, he was very respectful to me. He was actually one of my favorite candidates I interviewed because he was respectful. He let me ask whatever question I wanted. Real talk right here, and I don't want to offend anyone on the right or the left, Hillary Clinton was the one who walked out of an interview with me, and I was expecting her to be women empowerment and everything. No, she walked out of an interview because I asked her a question that wasn't pre-approved three days before. So when I started sharing that truth from people, they didn't want to hear it. So then they wanted to cancel me. You don't cancel someone from the East Coast. Because we'll we'll, uh, we'll no. chew you up and spit your ass right back out. <laughs> so. <laughs> this, this story is so funny. I think I have shared it before, but I have to retell it just for the sheer, almost hypocrisy of the circumstance. And this this is the story. And I think we, we have talked about this. Tell Refresh me if, well, have you heard the John Kerry makeup story? I have not, but that's, I am ready for it. That's the headline. Okay. okay. So picture me and Amanda working in what we like to call and what is small market television in Iowa. Now we say small market again to bring you up to speed. If you haven't heard sort of our breakdown of this, each market in the country where an affiliate exists or where television news is aired, in our case, three TV stations in this market of both Cedar Rapids, Waterloo and Dubuque and Iowa City that are combined into one footprint of viewership. Each of those affiliates then would represent, you know, in this case, a three CBS, ABC, NBC affiliate market. And we in Waterloo, Cedar Rapids have moved up to what the low 90s in terms of our ranking or late, you know, upper set, upper 80s. So in contrast, you would have New York, LA, Chicago, like the one, two, and three markets being the largest viewership footprint in the country for affiliated newscast, all the way up to 
and I could pull it up and look, but I think Alpena, Michigan held the the smallest spot at like 209. So we're middle of the road, but we would consider anything sort of outside of like that top 50 television market range in the country to be small market. So yeah, you're excited that we're in the top 100, but our viewership is so split that we still live in small towns, relatively speaking. So Waterloo, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City are smaller towns in contrast to a Phoenix where this anchor we're talking about was a news anchor. So the point of all this is to tell you that no, in small markets like Iowa, in Waterloo at least, we don't have hair and makeup. There's no help behind the scenes Unless in my case, I grabbed the lady that we love, Joby, who was doing master control and sometimes asked her to help me curl my hair with a, you know, with a curling iron that I got 20 years prior at like, you know, a Dollar Tree. So it was that low budget. I mean, and we would literally straddle a toilet with no lid on it to do our makeup because people would go to the bathroom in the same room where we were applying our makeup. I mean, it's so glamorous. And more than one time, news anchors, males who had their powder and their puff dropped the puff accidentally in the toilet. And then you're so cheap that you're like, I'm going to rinse out this toilet water and reuse this puff. I mean, that's how low budget this whole thing is. Because they were so, so the picture, puffs were expensive that you had to use. They were pricey. So picture me. Picture me in the newsroom awaiting, you know, the moment when I run into the toilet room to put on my powder and touch up my makeup. And having our then news director who, nice guy, but so out of touch with reality coming to me and saying, hey, we just got a call from the advance team for John Kerry. And, you know, he's coming in to do an interview and he's going to be doing some live shots from our studio with some of the network affiliates. And, and you know, so they want to use our studio and and they want to know if if John Kerry can use the same makeup that you're using, you know, and you and, and, and share the makeup. I said, use the same makeup that I'm using. You mean, you mean the, you know, compact that I got a discount for from Mac because they used to give performance discounts of like 10%. So, so the Mac compact that I had to like order online when Prime didn't and Amazon didn't exist, and I was paying like 14.95 for shipping. No, I'm not sharing my compact with John Kerry, and it was like so, it was so foreign to him because he didn't even know and understand what I was even talking about that, no, I don't share my compact with people. So it was like in his mind, that was a reasonable request that our makeup people, AKA me straddling a toilet would share my makeup with John Kerry. I mean, but that's to me spoke to the elitism of an industry where not only is it not glamorous, but you are constantly dealing, especially during election season, with a level of ego that is so off the charts that a Hillary Clinton would walk out of an interview because they don't need you. You're just the little people. And so for me to have to explain to my news director, like John Kerry, whose wife comes from the Heinz billion dollar you know, fortune of inheritance, they can afford to have their own makeup person or hire somebody to come into little old Waterloo, Iowa and powder his nose. (laughs) Blew my mind. But how dumb is it that my news director didn't check them, but turned it on me like I was the one who was in the wrong because I wasn't sharing my makeup. I'm not surprised. 
in the least. It's so silly that that ha- like that 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 happened. Um, I I just think it, it. I used to think it was funny because I think you said you said at one point they wanted us they wanted us to look like network evening prime time you know celebrities with basement Wayne's World equipment <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. lighting, the lighting, like until the, like, you know, I think at the, my final stop, that's when the lighting got good. It got better in the newer studio. And then there was a nicer area to do, you know, your makeup. But I'm going to be 100 with everybody. Like I was not like I, if the five o'clock newscast, I started doing my, my makeup at 445. At 445. Cause I'm like, this is it. Like, I'm not trying to you know, and I had conversations with news directors. Do you think you want to put a little bit more effort into the way you looked? I'm like, yo, my hair doesn't move. It's a helmet. Even when I had from when I, when I had my helmet bob, the standard anchor bob, or when I had my you know extensions in, my hair never moved. The makeup I had from shipped up from a friend of mine, Amarillo, who makes her own makeup, and it was the only stuff that worked. But then it ate my face off. Like I literally mm-hmm. still have bad skin from the years of all of that makeup. Like it's, I, I could go on and on and on forever about the, but you well, know. But, and, and we digress because I know the whole point of or premise of this podcast was not to talk about those shallow level elements of the business. But the thing that is so interesting is it does speak to how much that industry is not on the cusp of bringing, you know, the populace the news and the facts and the important coverage that matters, it's we are putting lipstick on a pig. And in this case, putting young people out there with this appearance expectation and their experience level know-how knowledge does not align with the, you know, shallow level, put our best foot forward with young, thin people and lighting that it projects. And so I think that's the part that is so shocking to people. And, and interestingly, and you of all people sort of pulled back the curtain on this because you started to share all of the harsh emails, all of the attacks. Mm-hmm. And people still say to me, I just can't believe, you know, everything that Amanda went through and all. And, and then I had to remind them and, you know, she was just forthcoming and willing to put herself out there and share it. Everybody else was worried about, oh, I don't want to offend the management. So we were all hiding behind kind of the abuse, so to speak, and did not Mm -hmm. want to really tell our truth or or share our story for fear of exactly what I talked about at the beginning of this recording is people will turn it on you. They will turn it back on you and say, oh, come on, you can take it. You get to be on television, you know, Ugh. you get to have all these perks because you're living, you know, this glamorous existence. So what I love about a woman like that, Carrie, the internet has a mind and attraction of its own. All, all the Carries 10 years ago who left did so quietly because the station took away their platform instantly and they had no voice. They had no way to share their truth. Enter Amanda Goodman, the proliferation of social media. You could bypass the traditional channels mm-hmm. and have your own connection directly with viewers, both while you were still doing the news and beyond. And now this wonderful concept comes along called a podcast 
where we can talk and talk and talk and feel better about ourselves, regardless <laughs> of, you know, who plays the recording. And I think that's a gift that we've given both to ourselves. And for me, a gift that I'm giving to my, my family and, and to others in that I'm going to, to share my truth and I'm going to own it. And I hope that others can learn from it and not make the same mistakes that we did, or at least go into it eyes wide open. Well, it's, we ate shit for so long. And pardon me if my, I mean, everybody knows I swear by at this point, but we ate it for so long because we had to, because we were so far deep, knee deep in the game and we loved our profession and we weren't really willing to recognize and be honest with ourselves and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't the business that I got into. This isn't, this is everything like I'm working against. Like, why am I even accepting this normal? Right. I mean, it's when I, I, I laugh when, you know, there's that quote, you know, if there's not a chair at the table, seat at the table, you bring your own chair. They're literally why we're not seat to the table at managers meetings. And my last stop, it was like all men in this room. And though I was supposed to come in and then I was supposed to like, Oh, Oh, we don't have a chair for you here. So I would stand because there's nothing more uncomfortable than when you're sitting down and there's someone standing and lurking behind you. So I'm like, all right, MFs, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to stand behind you. And you know why everybody was in that room? To talk about my appearance. A bunch of middle age or older than middle age, overweight, white men were going to tell me what was wrong with me. And you know why? Because it came from an email you know, perfect poly didn't like the way I, you know, wore that red lipstick. They, perfect poly didn't like that dress on me. And they couldn't believe that I haven't lost this baby weight yet. So it was, that was the beginning of a minor cancer, cancel culture, right? We don't like her. And they controlled it. They literally controlled totally. it. And then we would have a meeting and I'm like, mm-mm. And then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, like at first I was like, okay, like I'll, I'll lose weight and I'll go on this diet and I'll do this. And then I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Because I always want to be like this. If people are emailing me about my appearance or, you know, trying to put me about, let me see you. Send me your, send me your photo, you know, <laughs> Betty. So it, it's just, it's just, it, I understand. No, you're, you're like this, right. and, and this, what's sad is every, I'm, I'm willing to bet Tara that every single woman is a carry, right? But she was just ready to leave at that point. I guarantee every woman who has sat at that anchor desk feels the same way and the same thing has happened. And it's all going to come, it's all going to come out. I'm willing to bet. Totally. I a hundred percent. I, I would challenge anybody who is post 40 as a female news anchor to tell me that they do not experience these same emotions and that we, you know, completely connect and relate to that roller coaster of doubt that is constantly shifting in your head. You know, you, you have 10, 20, 30 years in the business and you have, you've acquired a level of confidence just by way of your experience. And you're on that, you know, you're on that high, so to speak. And then all it takes is that one email or that one errant comment on social media. And you're back to the level of insecurity that you had as a 22 year old, right? Just entering the business. I mean, right. that's how fleeting the level of support or confidence is because you live and die by shallow level feedback and reproach. Now, here's what 
strikes me so much about when you were just talking about, you know, people emailing about your appearance. I remember in my 20s when I was a, a reporter and then an anchor and a producer out in Yakima, Washington, I remember there was a woman who was the next door neighbor of the, the well, ultimately my in-laws at the time, my boyfriend's parents. And back then, as we've always talked about, the one shield of armor that we had was the internet didn't exist like it does today. There was no ability to email and to bash in real time the talent. So there still was that old school world of, word of mouth communication. So my then boyfriend's mom, who ultimately was my mother-in-law, didn't even realize and didn't even mean you know, to hurt me this way by passing this on. But she said, yeah, she said, my neighbor asked me if you were pregnant. Oh. And I kid you not, I kid you not. This is how crazy it is. At the time I was, I'm 5'11". I weighed, I think I weighed 138 pounds at 5'11". Wow, 511. you were a and, string bean. And because, yeah, and because I had probably, because I was, happily dating the man that is, has now been my husband, I was probably going out to eat more and we were enjoying our time as a couple. And so, you know what? I probably got up to like 145, How dare which you? is still like 30 pounds below what would be considered probably normal weight for my height. And yet just that inkling in her mind of Tara looks fat led her to purposefully like tell this woman that she knew it could get back to, to me, Oh, is Tara pregnant? Cause she looks like she's getting fat. I mean, so I just remember, I never forgot that. No. And isn't that sad when you think of the scope of your life and all of the interactions you have with, you know, everybody from a coworker to a viewer, thousands upon thousands of interactions and comments and conversations. And yet that is etched in my memory as a 20 something. That's sad. It is sad. And it, it, because it's still like PTSD, I swear. I remember when my first day in one of my first weeks coming to Iowa, there was a letter in the mail for me and it was a handwritten note. And I believe I shared, because I, I still have the note, I shared a copy of it, I think on our Facebook page a long time ago. And it basically told me it, in, in the letter, it said, you were trash in Amarillo you're trash in Iowa. You're, but basically you're a piece of crap, right? So this person, I hadn't been in Amarillo for like, like 10 years or something. And so I would get so mad. And so the manager's responses to me were kind of like, why do you care? Why do you care? Mm -hmm. If anybody said anything derogatory to the, our male counterparts, it was like they were in the war room and planning a response because nobody is going to talk to them that way. And it was like, okay, we were not allowed to respond because then you're not delicate. Let it roll off your mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. They're just, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, why would you get down on their level? Why would you just respond? No, because it's not okay. It is not okay. And that's what I think any woman who was on television, there were people in the community who wanted to check you because in their opinion, you thought, Absolutely. they thought that we thought that we were better than them when we didn't. Right. And they wanted to right. check us. Not one would ever say it to my face. Like the lady in the soup aisle at High V talking crap yeah. about me the whole time on social media, and I run into her, and she wants to blow smoke. Like, oh, I love watching you. Really? Oh, and and that is that is the note that we will end on is to say that if you have any doubt as a female in the working world, regardless of your industry or 
career pursuit, there is not only a double standard, there is a double standard that has been in play for decades. It still exists. And no amount of hashtag me too or educating the populace will change that, unfortunately, in many respects, because it is still a man's world when it comes to, at least in television, the managerial control. And that's the reality that we embraced and then decided to exit when we could still save our sanity. And for that, we're grateful. And just thanks to all of you for letting us expound on all of the things about our, as she described, that PTSD that gives us that cathartic release on this podcast. I appreciate that opportunity. That's right, because what you allow will continue. Big shout out to Rock Jim, the OG of Jim's. Often imitate it, never duplicate it. And Pixel Labs, our incredible engineers, Noah and team. Reach out to Pixel Labs for all of your digital needs. Have a great week.